Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Realist Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I'm your host, Brad, and with me is... Zach. And every week, the Realist go see a new movie and podcaster experience of the world. This week, we saw The Gentleman. The Gentleman, yeah, Sky Ritchie. So we uh, we uh, talk about what we thought about the movie, play the trailer, and then spoil it after the trailer. So check that out at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, Full disclosure, we recorded a whole episode uh, <laughs> or did we? an hour ago, and uh, yeah, Zach's right. Uh, we're not sure we actually even pressed record, so we're doing it again. Yeah, again. Which means uh, a show that we already declared another terrible episode of The Real Nerds because it's just me and Zach uh, is going to be even worse Yeah, than did the you, one we lost. You thought that it couldn't get any worse? Yeah. This is it. Because we're going to burn through <laughs> everything. 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 Uh, I think the last episode was an hour and a half. So uh, let's see if we can chop it right now. Yeah, 45 if, minutes. Yeah. Maybe 30. So uh, let's start by uh, recycling my joke of what segments do we have? I don't know. Let's just make them up. And one of those segments is going to be what I do around town. Brad, what do you do around town? Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. This week at the Esquire, the midnight movie is Perfect Blue, yeah, the, the anime, anime from Satoshi Kon from 1998, so I'll be there, and you should come and watch it with me. Yeah. Go ahead and watch it with Brad. Watch anime with Brad. That's right. Yeah. And that's all I got Yeah, for what's going on around town. Also, with Alamo Littleton or Alamo Sloan's or Alamo Westminster, if you want to go watch Cats and be able to yell throughout it, yeah, you have check your out their rowdy screening. Yeah. Tell Tom Hooper, yell at the screen, what you think. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Uh, gee, what else? Uh, what what other segments could we build into this show? Maybe one that talks about what kind of Blu-ray and DVD releases that are coming out. I think that's this ent- week. I think that's entirely possible to do at an efficient level. DVD releases and Blu-rays. So yeah, um, uh, Academy Award nominee Parasite is uh, coming out to Blu-ray via Neon, so you can check that out. 
Um, there's a reissue of Tammy and the T-Rex on 4K and Blu-ray. Uh, big discussion point on the show as of late. Uh, the big new release is Terminator Dark Fate on 4K, Blu-ray, and uh, Steelbook from uh, Best Buy. So you can check that out if you haven't seen the latest Terminator adventure. Uh, Criterion's putting out a couple films, amongst them Failsafe uh, from 1964, Sidney Lumet film. Uh, and also All About My Mother, uh, a Pedro Almodovar film that I all recommend you check out. Uh, Screen Factory is putting out Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, it's a film that had a lot of interesting rights issues, and I'm happy that it's getting a release. I cannot wait to finally see it. Uh, and then there's a steelbook coming out of The Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. Uh, that cover's really nice. It's got the driller killer out there in full view for everybody to see. Um, and then also Shot Select is putting out Very Bad Things, uh, the Peter Berg film that kind of launched him. I don't know if you'd want to call it a launching point necessarily, but... Um, it was on Henry's list from 1998, so you can check that out. Uh, Edward Norton's directorial outing, Mother Motherless Brooklyn, is available on Blu-ray. You can check that out. Got Willem Dafoe, Alec Baldwin, and Bruce Willis running around in there. Good times for all. Um, <clears throat> Arrow Video is putting out Edge of the Axe uh, in a cover that would be described as a ripoff of both The Shining and Jason Voorhees. Uh, the uh, You can check that out on Blu-ray from them. Uh, Screen Factory is also putting out Body Parts from 1991, a little Jeff Fahey classic that you can all check out. Uh, and that is pretty much it, other than the fifth season of Ballers. Uh, oh, and the uh, Blu-ray release of Harriet, uh, the Oscar, recent Oscar nominee uh, from 2019. You can check that out now. And that's Blu-rays. Inherently, you can check those out. You can always check them yeah, out. You always check those out. You don't have to not check them out. That's, that's the point them. of the segment is... You can check them they're out. They're coming out, so you can check them out. Check them out and avenge me. Uh, hey, check this out. Uh, entertainment has news. It's real news. Uh, so we're getting another uh, animated live-action remake from Disney, and it's going to be Bambi. Um, in, in the original show, we... <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about it just, um, just move on <laughs> uh, but yeah anyway no it'll be interesting to see what they do with a 40s film with that same lion king animation style because uh there's no humans really in bambi other than the hunter that shoots bambi's mom so uh and uh, it'll be interesting if they keep that scene in be interested to see how kids handle that yeah it'll be very very interesting in this current day and age um the the tom holland the tom holland uncharted movie um has been delayed again uh, that was actually a bargaining chip for getting the Spider-Man gang back together with Marvel and Sony. Uh, so uh, this Uncharted movie just uh, can't get off the ground for anybody involved. Uh, I think this is going to be the last time we ever talk about the Uncharted movie because I just don't believe it's coming yeah, out. Yeah, people should stop talking about it unless they're actually rolling film Exactly. Well, on it. Anyway, somewhere. 10 years in the making and it's going to be 20 years by the time we're done talking about it. Um, uh, a little bit of Halloween Kills news. Fun little tidbit. Paul Rudd gave the blessing of uh, Anthony Michael Hall to play Tommy Doyle in the upcoming sequels to the Halloween remake from nine or reboot from 2018. Um, and I like that. I like that Paul Rudd is. Uh, Aren't they like the same age? Roughly around. But well, see, Paul Rudd played Tommy Doyle in Halloween Six. Uh, so Anthony Michael Hall is playing him in Halloween Kills. So just the idea that Paul Rudd is giving a blessing to somebody else is hmm. very nice in my book. Not that Anthony Michael Hall needs a blessing. He's Anthony Michael fucking Hall. Um, he's been doing a lot of things before we were born. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, the last big piece of news is, uh, had a death in, uh, the world of cinema this, uh, week. Terry Jones passed away. Um, 
sadly, after a long battle with dementia. Uh, if you don't know who Terry Jones was, uh, he was one of the members of Monty Python, uh, produced, amongst other things, Monty Python's Flying Circus for the BBC and uh, ended up directing uh, three uh, Monty Python movies, amongst them Monty Python, The Holy Grail, Monty Python's Life of Brian, and The Meaning of Life. Um, I maintain that Life of Brian is one of the finest comedy films ever made that you should absolutely check out. Uh, uh, one, to see how to satire religion appropriately, um, to be able to make sure you lambast every element of it, uh, but while also watching how comedy filmmaking can be done on a grand and wonderful scale while still maintaining ridiculousness. Uh, a great example is a long, great, wide shot of uh, people singing on crosses at the end of the movie to the song Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and that's a testament to the type of, so type of shot selection you use for something like that. Uh, and Terry Jones also plays a lot of roles in those movies. Amongst them was Brian's mom in The Life of Brian, and it's one of the great comedy characters you will ever see. So uh, Terry Jones will be missed. Uh, two pythons down, four to go. And that's news. Felt like Jimmy Fiddler just ratting it off, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're being really efficient. It's yeah. good. Um, so that brings us to what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, what did you watch this week? Not a whole lot. Um, I watched the Netflix docu series, The Killer in uh, Killer Inside, uh, the Michael uh, Aaron Hernandez thing. Wow, I'm really drawing a uh, drawing a blank on. Well, you're not edition. a sports expert, so no, exactly. Yeah, um, uh, but it's the story of Aaron Hernandez who uh, was convicted of murder of his girlfriend's sister's boyfriend, um, and it ties a lot into uh, various discussions of. Um, uh, homosexual repression, um, uh, 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 abusive childhoods, and CTE. Um, Aaron Hernandez played for the New England Patriots, and they also talk a lot about what it's like to be in the Patriots organization and how uh, people were very more or less shocked that somebody who was on the Patriots would behave in this manner. But then they talk about the CTE thing, and it starts to make a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, it's a dish interesting documentary series. I think that the subject is more interesting than the way it's constructed. Um, for the most part, uh, feels like it could have been a little bit longer, maybe stretched out to about four episodes, uh, maybe talk a little bit more about the CTE and a little bit more about, um, Hernandez's, um, uh, repressed, repressed feelings. Um, but other than that, it's a solid doc and, uh, I think it's about four hours. So, you know, you're in for a ride. Um, uh, in the midst of Cherry Jones's death, I've been rewatching Monty Python's Flying Circus and Cherry uh, Jones's death. Ter Terry Jones, <laughs> I'm trying to get through it. One of the presidents from 24. No, no, no. Didn't know that happened. No, no. I, I watched Harrison Ford in Monty Python because uh, he's a president. No, um, I watched uh, a lot of Monty Python's Flying Circus in the midst of Terry's death and uh, rewatching the show. Um, biggest complaint is that Netflix uh, doesn't really have the best transfers of Monty Python available. And uh, I've been told by a certain suave gentleman uh, across from me that there are HD transfers that should be coming to uh, Netflix eventually. So I hope that happens. Uh, but the show's still fun. Uh, a lot of stuff you cannot do today by any stretch of the imagination. However, still funny within the context of what the Python humor is. Uh, Python's a hard thing to sell to people primarily because uh, I mean, one, it's British humor, but also it's incredibly it, it's incredibly irreverent. Uh, so you don't uh, you're not always going to get everything right away. Um, and it's something where if you're not on their wavelength, it's best just to not even try. Uh, the movies are a lot more accessible than the show. I found strangely. Um, 
but yeah, uh, but yeah, I'll probably keep going through those and rewatch the movies. And uh, they have a bunch of the specials on Netflix too, including the one that they did uh, when Terry Jones was still alive. When it was it was called Five Down, One to Go, uh, Monty Python Live mostly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, there was that. And then, uh, the last thing I watched was a documentary called night will fall, uh, which is a documentary about, um, the propaganda film that Sidney Bernstein made, um, uh, called German concentration camp factual survey, uh, which was a film that he was commissioned through the army, uh, with army cameramen to make in order to document the crimes of the Holocaust after the camps were starting to get liberated by both Britain and other members of the allied forces. Um, and Hitchcock, um, the subject of my side podcast, uh, was actually flown over to England to help supervise the structure of that film until it was more or less shut down by the British government in, uh, the, uh, change of, uh, uh, change of direction because there was, uh, an attempt to not isolate Germany too much after the war um, with all of these films. Um, but uh, the film exists and they show the film. They, re they reconstruct it according to what Hitchcock and Bernstein had intended um, with new voiceover because the voiceover never got done. And uh, they, uh, the imagery is disturbing, obviously, as a Holocaust film. I found that the footage seemed... Uh, somehow it just felt more disturbing than even what George Stevens had shot. And George Stevens was his film was shown at the Nuremberg trials. Uh, Bernstein's film footage from it was shown at other tri war crime trials. So um, it's a testament to the power of what film can do to uh, expose evil. And uh, it's also very interesting to listen to the stories of the cameramen who were actually behind those cameras filming that footage, because uh, for, for as technical they are, they all are also very, emotional about it and obviously it's it's a it's a tough subject for them to talk about so um I, I recommend you check it out especially if you've seen five came back it's something i definitely recommend people check out so um and that's all i watched this week brad what did you watch this week it's gonna be tough yeah tough to go through this again because i watched a lot yeah uh but i'll start by saying that last night i rewatched ford v ferrari and it's gonna be tough to watch that at home because the sound design is so amazing, and I can't recreate it there. Yeah. Um, but, I still want to see it on RPX. Yeah. I, I wish I'd saw it in uh, 4DX. That would, a lot of burnt rubber smells. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and it, uh, it got nominated for sound editing and sound mixing. So um, The movie Rubber it, is the one with the killer tire, right? Yeah. They should do a double feature with that in 4DX. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it, it's a small movie. I don't know what you would actually I don't know. Just, just to see Rubber in 4DX. <laughs> um but I don't usually care about the Oscars, but um, if if I had to choose, it was definitely deserving of those nominations. Um, so uh, another story. Uh, I signed up for the Regal Unlimited Pass last week. I gave up on the Alamo ever selecting me for season pass. But then a twist. Um, so I did that, and I uh, went and saw a couple movies on the Regal Pass. Uh, I'm going to exploit it as much as I can, get yeah. my full dollar's worth. So the first thing I saw uh, was Little Women, which was a, a nice movie. Yeah. Um, I'd never read the book or seen the other movie, so I had no context of how Greta Gerwig had made it different. I just heard she's, you know, the, the, the it's a more of a nonlinear structure for the movie. You kind of jump to the future and the past, uh, but it still holds together. Um, Bob Odenkirk plays the dad in it. Um, and when he says the line of the movie, the title of the movie, Little Women, uh, the way he delivers it, I just felt like I was watching a, a Mr. Show sketch, which is funny. Um, 
So Laura Dern also mentions the title. So twice in the movie, they say the, the movie title, but yeah, it's, it's just a nice movie, um, about, uh, female empowerment. Um, I like, I really like Joe's journey, uh, becoming a writer through all these experiences. Um, yeah. And then, um, I watched just mercy, which is the Jamie Foxx, uh, Michael B. Jordan, um, movie about Michael B. Jordan's, uh, is a lawyer who wants to help, um, people on death row, uh, who may have been unfairly convicted. Um, so there's three people on death row. I think it's, this takes place in Mississippi. He teams up with, uh, Brie Larson. They start their own agency. Uh, they, there's three people on death row. Jamie Foxx is the one they focus on the most. Um, he's framed for, um, a murder of a, a white girl in a dry cleaners. Um, uh, and then the other guy is a Vietnam vet who has a PTSD episode where he builds a bomb and detonates it. Um, not intending to kill anyone, but, uh, it does. So, uh, he, he knows he, he knows he's guilty. He knows he's guilty, but again, there's, you know, other people would have given, would have been argued that he had a mental illness and should be in an asylum and not on death row. Right. And then O'Shea Jackson jr. Is in it. He's the third guy, but I, they focus so little on what his story is. that I've forgotten what it is. Right. Um, so, but it's mostly about Jamie Foxx and all the pitfalls he goes through. Like he's clearly not guilty, but, uh, the entire justice system puts every roadblock in his way to keep him on death row. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was a powerful movie, but, uh, there's one point where despite everything going wrong for them, finally Michael B. Jordan has access. Like he just takes his case to prime time and goes on like a 60 minutes or a nightline or something. Um, and makes Jamie Foxx's case, you know, to the net, to the public eye. Um, and that gets things moving. And I'm just like, well, you, if you had that option all the, the whole time, why didn't you do it for the other guy who right. was on death row sooner? Right. Um, so that's, I kind of dinged it for that. Um, I also watched bombshell, which is the, uh, uh, dramatization of the harassment going on at Fox news. Um, and that's so fast paced that I f- was, I found it hard to keep up because they throw so many characters at you. I don't think there's any downtime of anyone reflecting on anything. It's just constantly characters talking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very fast paced. Um, uh, and it just like a, just a look into a dirty, dirty organization. <laughs> um, so, uh, but there wasn't much else I didn't already know there. Right. Um, then I also watched, uh, yeah, so that was it for the, uh, the Regal pass. And then on Thursday, I think like four days later, Alamo finally made the Alamo season pass open to everybody. Dun, dun, dun. So I'm paying for two unlimited passes, there you which go. I I'll still save a ton of money because I go to both those places pretty much equally. Yeah. Alamo a lot more, but you know, all those movies I've always been like, well, I'll see it on Netflix. I can go to with the Regal and then all the weekly movies that we go see, I'll do at the Alamo and hopefully I'll save like 800 bucks by the end of the year. Right. Which is significant. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad about that. What I can't go see with a pass is landmark movies or the C film center. And at the C film center this week, I watched color out of space. Richard which is Stanley's a, return to the big screen. Yeah. Based on HB Lovecraft stuff. Um, I have no background of his work. I like, there's that hardware joke in the office that Gabe, uh, has, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not familiar with his work. It's a movie you should check out. Uh, and this one's super weird. Uh, you know, the post will look cool. So I was like, I'll go see this. Uh, Nick Cage will probably 
act his ass off yeah. in it. And uh, it's weird. And I don't know really what it's about. I guess it's about how technology is uh, being used by us too much and will eventually come back to bite us because uh, this is the story of Nicolas Cage and his family in some real part of America um, next to a reservoir. Um, this meteorite comes out of the sky, crashes in the yard, gives off glowing radioactive properties, and then uh, it infects everybody, gets in the water system, uh, converts the environment, uh, poisons all the animals and them, and they all start to go crazy. Uh, um, like his wife cuts her finger off. Uh, her daughter's a Wiccan and she like cosplays as Wiccan in the woods. Um, and so, uh, she, uh, they have a, a little boy and an older boy, uh, son. Uh, the little boy's just kind of sitting on the lawn watching things go down for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he's mesmerized by the, the, the meteorite. And then they have an older son who's kind of out of play for a little bit, but he kind of like, uh, squares off against the, the daughter, um, as they have their like hallucinogenic episodes. And, uh, it's just a lot of weirdness, like, hmm. uh, animals and humans get fused together from the color radiation and, uh, bugs are born out of the rocks and, hmm. uh, their entire farm, which they raise alpacas on Lovecraft stuff happens. Just, yeah, just a lot of weirdness. Like a uh, whole time. It's like, what is Lovecraft what is stuff happens? That's what um, happened. <laughs> and the visuals are great. Like they're, for as low budget uh, low budget as I imagine this movie is, like whoever is doing the after effects and the CGI is actually doing it quite well. But again, I'm just like to what point? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then uh, the last thing I saw was on Netflix, and that was uh, as good as it gets, which I haven't seen since I was like in high school mm-hmm. uh, when it came out. And uh, back then, I didn't realize like how heinous the things that Jack Nicholson's character says. It's not a great guy in that movie. Yeah, not a uh, he guy. plays a writer with OCD. He's a shut-in. He lives in an apartment building with uh, uh, his neighbor, Greg Kinnear. He's a gay artist. Um, and then he goes to lunch like every day at the neighborhood bistro where the waitress is Helen Hunt and she has a son who, I forget what illness he has, but it's he's constantly in a, a, at risk of death. So anyway, Jack Nicholson is really mean to all those people. <laughs> um and uh basically as all their different uh stories weave through each other you know they kind of grow as people and um jack nixon most of all he's got no one else is really a bad person it's just him yeah and through their those other experiences he learns to not be an asshole indeed as much um so yeah he falls for helen hunt um, he has to take care of Greg Kinnear's dog after he's beaten in his own apartment and sent to the hospital. And so th- th- those things break him out of his shell. Yeah. Um, that's what I watched this week. Be interested to rewatch it on Netflix if it's available there. Yeah. And there's also a ton of people that, you know, you're familiar with today, but probably didn't recognize when they were in the movie back then. Yeah. Skeet Ulrich. Um, uh, Jamie Kennedy. Harold Ramis is in the movie. Shane Black's in the Shane movie. Shane Black. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite a, quite a cast. So that brings us to the movie this week, and Corinne has some thoughts about The Gentleman. Hey, nerds. It's Corinne. Sorry I wasn't able to make it on the episode this week, but I did get to see The Gentleman and just wanted to share some brief thoughts about it with you guys. Uh, Would I recommend it? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I guess if those kinds of movies are your cup of tea, as it were, 
which is kind of weird because I'm not really big into like crime or gangsta movies or anything like that. Like this genre is not really like my thing, but going to see it, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And I realized after I walked out, I was like, oh, it's because this is like the blacklist. I mean, this the movie has like all the same elements that the blacklist does, except it doesn't have any of the stupid shit. <laughs> um, it's basically like all the, it shares a lot, like the best elements of that show without any of the dumber elements. So it basically is just like, yeah, it's like gentlemen criminals who, you know, are slightly like a cut above, like the just kind of like your lower class criminal, like, the fact that they have like a code of honor as it were that they live by um whatever that is like you know they're not just like your your regular like street thugs like these are like gentlemen criminals and that they're you know polite and respectful when they want to and then they are hard asses and they will wreck shit when they have to and it's and, and yeah like a couple of different characters get like nice little monologues and i was like yeah this is very very much james spader's raymond reddington and i love it and um and there were definitely like other elements in the movie that i enjoyed the whole um like kind of like how meta it is in some of its um like the dialogue and the way that it's framed and also there are some elements that kind of felt like a little bit like a heist movie of like you know, you were doing the thing while we were doing the thing and we knew you were doing this. So like everybody is like basically trying to outwit the other person. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, that wasn't, if I had anything about the movie, I didn't like it was how often they use the C word. And I mean, I know that like it's different in England than it is over here, but I still don't like them using it. And, I mean, it was kind of violent, like overly violent sometimes, but I mean, that's kind of what you sign up for with this genre. And uh, I guess, yeah, I wasn't, it is very like, like a very like dude movie, if that makes sense. There's one female character in it, basically, and there was like a whole, I basically just did not appreciate how they treated her and how she was basically there to like further the men's storylines and not her own so and i again i know that's more typical of the genre but me personally i would have done something slightly different with it but it, it it's still a great movie and i i think I, I would probably watch it again i don't know if i'd have to go see it in theaters but i will definitely watch it again one day so that's what I would say about The Gentleman. I mean, go check it out if you haven't already, if those kinds of things are things you, that you like. Um, another quick thing of note, uh, yeah, sorry, haven't done Catching the Classics yet again. Um, hopefully here soon, but I'm not going to make any promises on like, you know, next episode I'll for sure have something for you. But uh, I mean, I really, I think I really picked a bad time to go out because... <laughs> The Graduate is, like, a movie that I'm, like, 
having a really hard time to like sit down and motivate myself to watch. It's like, do I really have to watch The Graduate or do I have to watch, can I watch something else? So I guess maybe if I, if I, if it is easier to like get me back into it, I might have to pick another movie to like just get my feet wet, get back into the groove of catching the classics. So I guess don't be surprised if that happens, but anyway. Also, I'm uh, got another new article for the website, so that should be posted soon. Check out the website for updates, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Catching Classic. I will post it on my Twitter as soon as I have it uploaded. So, thanks, nerds, and hope to see you all again soon. Bye! Thanks, Corinne. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what would you think of this dude movie? <laughs> Uh yeah, it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Of course, it's a dude movie. Um, uh, I'm not a big Guy Ritchie guy, uh, other than the Sherlock Holmes films and the Man from Uncle ones. Um, I've always found his films outside of that realm to be more or less uh, the, the interesting characters, but the story doesn't always serve them as well as I think it should. Um, this one was fine. Um, I appreciated uh Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant in the movie uh for what they're doing with it. Um, and Hugh Grant and the way he stru- uh, his character structures the film to a meta point is uh, fascinating. I don't know if it always works, but um, I, I it was fine overall. I mean, it was certainly uh, one of the more interesting Guy Ritchie movies I've seen in a while. So I wouldn't dissuade people from checking it out, but it's not a priority, I guess. Brad, should people watch The Gentleman? People should do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, not... of course they should. Did I like the movie? I was surprised how much I did. Um, halfway through, I wasn't on board um because there's a mystery in the movie and as soon as they say like this one thing i'm like i'm way ahead of everyone and the characters spend the next half hour to 45 minutes trying to catch up to me Mm -hmm. um but by the end there's still some more twists and turns i was like oh cool that like that was different and framing the whole movie as in a way sort of a pitch of a movie by one of the characters um uh, like i thought that was a cool like it's it's not revolutionary but like i was like oh cool for this type of movie that's a nice additional thing that something you don't know you don't always see it yeah so yeah i I think it's a fun watch cool here's the trailer for the gentleman there once was a young and foolish dragon who came to ask a wise and cunning lion about acquiring his territory now the lion he wasn't interested so he told the little dragon the dragon be persisted oh goody he started a war the lion took the little dragon for a walk and put five bullets in his little dragon head. He's warming up now, isn't it? There's a message in there. Maybe you can explain it to me. The young succeed the old. Enjoy the show. It's going to get messy. I forgot to wash my hands. There's only one rule in this jungle. When the lion's hungry, he eats. His name is Fahok. It's spelled with a P-H, so it sounds like Fahok. Please! Kanda Fahok. Please! So it tells the story of a uh, weed kingpin in London who's American, uh, played by Matthew McConaughey, named Mickey, uh, who's trying to get out of the game and... uh, 
tries to sell off his entire weed empire to a guy playing by Jeremy Strong, who's kind of like the second most powerful cannabis king in London. Uh, but uh, when anybody tries to sell off their empire, of course, people come up from under the weeds to uh, the weeds, quote unquote, uh, to um, uh, usurp the king from his throne. Uh, amongst them, uh, people like Henry Gold, Henry Golding uh, playing uh, Dry Eyes. Um, and other people along the way that help Mickey out or double cross him, uh, like Colin Farrell, um, playing a, a coach who's really good at, uh, uh, teaching, putting kids at inner young, city youth. Yeah. Put, put, putting, putting, putting young brats in their place, I guess is the, <laughs> the thing of, uh, that scene. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the structure of the film though, as it stands, um, uh, Hugh Grant plays a, uh, reporter in the film who's uh kind of like a sleaze uh kind of like tabloid pops paparazzi really paparazzi guy and uh he, he writes any articles yeah and he's and he's been tasked to frame mickey by uh his boss played by eddie marzan um and uh hugh grant um not frame him blackmail him well to blackmail him well no, no 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 he's trying to expose uh he's trying to get dirt on mickey for his paper okay but then hugh grant is blackmailing mickey through Charlie v- Hunnam, v- through Charlie Hunnam, uh, McConaughey's number two, um, uh, for I think it was like forty million pounds or something like that, um, and the way he's telling him how he knows everything and how we, the audience, receive this story is through Hugh Grant pitching this as a screenplay for a movie, uh, with uh, every screenplay jargon thrown at you like a like a film school um, would and. I don't mind that. And like you said, I, it is inventive for this uh, particular genre, and I appreciated how they did it. I don't know if it always works for the logic of the movie, I guess, but I also didn't really care to a certain extent. Um, I, I mean, like, and, and Hugh Grant is really good at playing uh, sleazy characters nowadays, uh, whether it's Paddington 2 or this. So I really appreciate watching him stretch his muscles a little bit more. Um, and... Uh, I will agree with Corinne. The uh, uh, the only really the only prominent female character in this movie is not extremely well developed, uh, or she gets one good scene with Henry Golding, um, and then is immediately turned into a victim uh, for the purposes of having Matthew McConaughey save her. So it's not wonderful, but tis what it is, I suppose. When it comes to a Guy Ritchie movie or any kind of like you know heavy crime action movie which is what they're going for yeah and also not typical i thought there was actually less violence yeah it's kind of light uh, on it that i'm used to for this kind of movie yeah let alone um, guy Ritchie, who can get pretty br- get pretty pretty brutal yeah but since they're all the gentlemen um a lot of the conflict is just people talking to each other yeah and there's an interesting <laughs> i don't know if it's uh all that solid a logic but the the idea of the morality of uh I sell weed, but you guys sell um, uh, heavier uh, shit that actually kills, uh, which is a similar like argument that you've heard in The Godfather. So like, and and even that, I, th- I guess Godfather might handle it better <laughs> technically, but uh, it's still an interesting like morality they're playing around with, um, and that's all kind of tied into a scene that's probably the most brutal, which is. Uh, 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 Dry Eyes' boss uh, gets uh, his tea poisoned by McConaughey, and he just starts puking all over the place. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a gross scene, and um, but yeah, movie's not bad. I, I just I, I I'm not like 
unless Guy Ritchie's playing in the Sherlock Holmes sandbox or the Man from Uncle sandbox, it seems like I'm not as interested as other people. I totally get it, but I'm not like like Snatch is fine for me. Uh, rock and roll and stuff like that. That's fine for me, but it's not stuff I go back to that often. So yeah, and like I said before, there uh, the mystery in the movie is uh, Mickey gets part of his stash stolen uh, from a, from his underground grow house, and by Colin Farrell's uh, rap battle music video making youth. Gang. Yeah, they're making fight porn. Is what they fight porn. Could they call it in the movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's a misunderstanding. Um, but one of the questions they ask is like, well, who knew where this, this storage container entrances were? Yeah. I'm like, well, a few scenes ago, we saw him take Matthew on a tour. So I've seen this movie before. It's Matthew. Yeah. Matthew, the Jeremy strong character. Yeah. So like I said, a lot of the movie, I'm just waiting for them to get to that revelation. Um, so that's the part of the movie. I was like, okay, I, I feel like the movie's trying to, um, find a new angle on a story that's already been told a bunch. And mm. I think it mostly succeeds. Like when I thought the Hugh Grant angle was done with, and we were just going back to a straightforward narrative, suddenly we're in the Miramax office and he's pitching this entire thing as an entire script. So I'm just like, Oh, okay. Well, good on you, man. Yeah. 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 You, you took it, you took it to a twist. I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, but. And the whole movie starts out with Mexi- Mickey's, uh, implied execution. Um, and then by the end of the movie, they found a cool way to like make me explain that away as like, that wasn't what you saw. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Um, so yeah. 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 Just, yeah, it's fun. Cool. So next week, I don't know what we're seeing. Um, I think Gretel and Hansel yeah. is the big wide release, but, uh, and then the following week is birds of prey. Yeah. So which I'm still surprised it's coming out this early, but. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess Captain Marvel came out like March first last year. It's more just like I just thought for whatever reason this was going to be an April movie, so that was just my fault for not reading yeah. things. I think it's like it's they feel like it's a Valentine's Day movie, so they're doing like the Star Wars thing where it's like a year or a week before yeah Christmas, you know. Yeah, that's fair. So, Playing the Deadpool angle too. Deadpool, yeah. So yeah, it looks fun. I, I can't. I'm excited to see it. Cool, right on. Well, until next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.